Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Very unprofessional here, writing down notes as the uh, as the intro music falls uh, silent upon the ears of the masses. Why am I unable to write uh, and speak at the same time? Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good night. This is the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Coming up tonight uh, at ten. <laughs> How are we? Safe and well, I hope. Are you living? In a post-apocalyptic nightmare where you can't get any fuel for your car to get to the shops that are empty to buy food they've not got to feed your family you don't like. Oh my God, we thought COVID was the peak of the apocalypse. It was merely the door that opened the gateway to the hellscape we find uh, currently in Britain. Britannia, Schottland, England, Wales... And, uh, I mean, Northern Ireland, they're fine. Northern Ireland's fine. They're, they're fueled on red diesel. <laughs> Northern Ireland has had a fuel shortage since the fucking famine. They, they're no bothered up there. They cunts have been running on fucking red tractor diesel since the 60s. You go to a petrol station in Northern Ireland, they still got four star. <laughs> they fuckers, 
They don't know what they're, they're a breed of their own. Good people. Hard people. They've been through a lot. You know? The troubles. Have they ended? Who knows? The murals. You know? If you're not a fan of murals, imagine living in Belfast in the name of fucking another mural. It'd be hellish. The fall of the DeLorean. Good God. Southern Ireland had the uh, the potato famine. The, the DeLorean situation in Belfast is their famine. Exactly the same thing. Hellish. But what has remained constant through all the ups and downs, the struggle of a Northern Irish person, Red Diesel. Red Diesel. Explain to me how fucking Bojangles isn't on the phone to storm and they're now going, get a fucking tanker full of the red diesel and get it onto the mainland. <laughs> Let me just say this. I think the way to solve the fuel crisis is very simple. Every person who works in a petrol station forecourt is given an automatic rifle. Now hear me out. As I have said endless times... On this podcast, the only way to solve any situation in life is with, say it with me now, extreme violence. Every person who works in a petrol station forecourt is given an automatic assault rifle. Similar to the ones used by our military or American teenagers when they're going to shoot up a school. Something of a similar calibre. If you put more than £30 of petrol or diesel into your car, Sandra will come on the tannoy, pump it, pump it. You've got 32 quid in there, hen. You better get sucking and siphon that back out. If they do not comply to your instructions, bang, bang, two in the chest. Two in the chest. Then the trolley boys from said supermarché will come over and then uh, remove the body and the vehicle. Okay, the body, the, the vehicle is impounded by the, by the police, later sold to an auction, uh, and, and joyriders will crash into a field, the circle of life continues, okay, and you move forward. If anybody even approaches a forecourt with a jerry can, bang, bang, two in the chest. It's the only way to do this. Right, it's the only way to stop this situation. Now, I know it's calmed down. I know it's calmed down for the weekend. I went to get uh, fuel the other day. Right? I'll be honest with you, I normally do fill the tank up when I was young. When I was just a little boy, I broke down twice on the motorway. Was it my fault? Yes. Did I forget to fuel up? Yes. What happened to me? I broke down, broke down. I was with the RAC, so it's okay. I broke down twice in the motorway when I was young. 18, 19, a child, a pup. I never had the experience of a car then. You know, we've all done it. There was a meme, a meme, a meme going round a couple of days ago. Two pictures. First picture was a a picture of a a fuel gauge, quarter full, with the caption under it saying, I'm almost empty, I must fill up. Second picture was the dial was fucking right on the bottom with a red light on saying, empty. With the caption saying, I know my car, I've got 40 miles left in it. Now that's the truth. 
That's the truth. We've all looked at our petrol gauge and went, fuck sake, I really need to fill up. And then when the bastard goes to empty, you're like, hey, there's, there's 10 gallon in the fucking engine. I'll get another 82 mile out of this. Which, which, which isn't technically wrong. You know? My point being, <laughs> we just need to start shooting pencils. Now, listen. I have heard all of the uh, all of the arguments. You know, we've all been locked in for eighteen months, and all that fuel's been sitting there, and uh, that that fuel has got an expiry date. So I, this is all a conspiracy for the government to get rid of all this fuel, possibly, possibly. But there's there's no need for the average Joe Schmo to be filling your tank, and and even if you stand in and you had the pugler, it is my god forsaken right. To fill my tank to the brim, if I wish to fill it to the brim, good for you, fuck nugget. Fill your tank. But you do not need to be filling jerry cans. That needs to be fucking stopped, man. Where are these cunts gone? Where are people gone? The amount of pictures and videos I've seen of four courts, three, four, five cars deep, waiting to get in, and every one of them. It's fucking old as fuck. I, honestly, I thought I saw a daywalker filling his car. I went, where the fuck is this cunt gone? They don't leave the bastard in the house. Pensioner. Anybody over the age of fucking 75 in Scotland has been going through their own pandemic for the last 20 years. They fuckers are locked in constantly. They wake up at five in the morning. They go to the corner shop. They get their paper, they come home, they read the paper, they have 62 cups of tea, they fall asleep at fucking 11 in the morning, and that's them right the way through to 5 the next day. They don't do fuck all. But the bastard's going to put 60 pound of petrol in the Ford car that's immaculate. The thing gets washed more often than it gets driven. <laughs> oh, I hate people, man. How can people be so stupid? People are just sheep, you know? People are just fucking sheep. Like I said, I went to the petrol station the other day, right? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fill up. I do generally normally fill up the tank anyway. Uh, like I said, those things were broke down, you know, since then. And I also heard somebody say, I I'm not a very... I'm not a manly man in the sense of the, you know, doing things... I'll get a man in, right? I'm not one of those guys. Like, I I'm not... I, I don't mind DIY... Listen, if there's a tool involved, I'll have a shot, right? If I get to drill something or punch something or hit punch something, <laughs> go and punch the nails in for us. If I get to use a tool of some kind, I'm I'm all for it. I'm on board. But the the kind of like I'm no I, I, you know I don't know how to fix an engine. Um, I'm no I'm not very good at building stuff. You know, flat packs probably my 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 limit. But some somebody had once had told me a manly man had said to me, you know, you shouldn't let your your tank uh, drop to a certain level because it can affect the engine. I don't know if that's true or no. Don't know if that's true. Could be utter lies. He he could have been a, a lobbyist for the uh, for the Shell uh, oil company. I don't know. You know, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's that's how they used to get you to panic buy in the old days. Some guy would float around a pub in a suit. And just whisper in your ear, if you let your tank drop below five litres, it'll damage your engine. And you'll be like, fucking hell, Frank, what are you going to fill up right now? <laughs> What's the point in spending millions 
of dollars trying to persuade a government to create a false narrative of fuel shortage because all the fucking Polish lorry drivers have gone home, and rightly fucking so. Why would I want to continue to live in this shithole of a country driving a lorry when I can go home? See my wife and kids again? Have a laugh? Get back to some real football violence on the weekend? <laughs> Sometimes I think, when it's talking about the shortages of lorry drivers in labour, since Brexit, I often think, the fuck, they, you couldn't get the bastards back. Everybody in fucking the northeast England, I jackpot Brexit. And everybody leaves. Even if the phone not going, listen, we're really sorry, can you come back? Get yourself to fuck. <laughs> I'd be sitting in Warsaw on my feet, I'm going, oh, why did I spend five years in fucking Middlesbrough? What a fucking shit show that was. So, I hope you've all got fuel, you know, and I hope he's day somewhere. I hope he's all going out fucking driving and sightseeing and, and experiencing life. I imagine the reality is, you filled up a car and you've sat it on the uh, driveway and the fucker's not moved. And well done. And as is your right, you know, as a taxpayer, if I want to fill my car with fuel and then drive nowhere, I will fucking do so. <laughs> and I'm down to my last... 5,000 toilet rolls, so I'm starting to panic again as well. What will be the next panic buy? What's the next thing going to be? Toilet, I mean, toilet roll and fuel. That's two weird things, isn't it? Ne never, never the two shall meet. Unless it's some kind of weird stag do thing or a hazing ritual. Whatever a situation where somebody would go, I need 40,000 toilet rolls and 16,000 gallons of fuel. Right now. Why? Maybe it'll all come out in the end. You know, like the JFK assassination. Assassination? <laughs> Fucking hell, Gibbo. Drink that coffee, son, and wake your mouth up. Maybe it'll turn into like Shell and BP of actually the they own Andrex. <laughs> or it's the other way around. The Andrex puppy owns fucking Shell. That's why they don't pay tax. It's it's in the name of Doug. And Doug's gonna pay tax. Speaking of Doug's, the fucking uh, South Korean uh, PM. Came out this week, don't know if you saw this. Uh, an odd news story. He has, uh, he has, oddly that's his name, President, he has. <laughs> he he has uh, suggested. Interesting uh, word in the headline was suggested. In fact, Kibble, you're in front of the fucking computer, son. Let's just get this story up here. Do I want to install updates? No, no, I do not. Apple, right? I want to put you in the bin. I, we don't have a new one yet, so just, just relax. Uh, South Korean. Uh, if anyone's just joining this podcast for the first time, whenever I am typing something into the computer, I have to sing. Otherwise, I'm too easily... South Korean PM suggests not to eat dogs. That's right, you heard me. Um, South Korean PM... Oh, President, I do apologise. Here we go. Uh, story in the Guardian, of course. Where else would it be? South Korean Presidente suggests ban on eating dog meat. Uh, Moon Jae-in, a dog lover, says time has come for traditional practice to end. Now, the interesting, um, the interesting word in that headline is suggests. I mean, 
suggesting a ban on eating dogs is not exactly the same as banning eating dogs. I can suggest that you maybe don't, you know, uh, put things up your bum. But hey, you might want to put things up your bum. I could suggest to you, as like, don't eat aubergine. You know, I suggest you don't eat aubergine. And you'd be like, but we've eaten aubergine for years. I'd be like, ah, it's, it's minging. It's just it's, a uh, weird colour. You shouldn't have been eating this purple. It's not a ban. I'm just suggesting it. You know, I suggest you don't fill up jerry cans in a petrol station. But the fucking pensioners are still going to do it. How are we... How are we still... In, in, coming towards the end of 2021... At a time when the world's never been fucking wilder, you know, we've we've never been we've never been through so much nonsense together as a, as a globe. But yet, there's still fuckers that are eating dugs. Now, I'm not going to go down the road of the uh, typical stereotype of the Asians will will eat anything. I mean, they will, but I think we can draw the line at dugs. We're, we're just about able to come around to the idea of eating, you know, fetus, whether it be chickens or ducks. We're, you know, we're, we're, I suppose we've been exposed to that enough now that we at Disney Shock is anymore. We've seen Cal Pilkington doing the dry bulk. Uh, I've watched enough shows where, what is that? Is it Balu? Balut? Is that the name of it? Any, any Filipinos listening to this podcast? I think that's what it's called, Balut. It's basically a duck fetus. So they take an egg. A duck egg. It may be a chicken egg as well, but I think it's a duck egg. And it is, uh, you know, it's a fetus. So you peel it back, and it's fucking... Apparently, from what, I, from what I've heard, the smell of it is unbelievable, but it's a delicacy. Now, I think it's one of those things that started as a prank, and somebody was kidding on, and they went, it's actually delicious. And then the next person ate it, and he didn't want to, you know, say it was rubbish, and he went, it's delicious. And then it's caught on 200 years later, and everybody's eating baloo. I think we can get to that. Chicken's feet, you know, chicken's hearts. The chicken's gets a bit of a raw deal in Asia. But all that, I don't want to say weird stuff because there's nothing weird in food, right? But but dogs, I draw the line at dogs. Now, you would argue that in the West, domesticated animals, their pets, you know, there are some people who don't have the luxury of... Been able to go to a supermarché or been able to nip down to the Lidl or even having the option of, you know, there'll be some people in parts of South Korea, parts of other parts of Asia who are in extreme poverty and they don't have the luxury of the local junkie coming round the house trying to sell you a fucking bag of bacon, right? They don't have that luxury. They're not going to get a South Korean junk bag knocking on the door going, you want to buy some chops, mate? I've got a Chateaubriand on here, £14 cash, my man, it's yours. They don't have that luxury. But they've, they've got dogs. No, I would suggest that I would rather eat a family member before I'd eat a dog. Could this be one of the first times we've actually had a Guardian article on here? I mean, I already feel more left-wing and highbrow. I feel like I should be reading this uh, while enjoying a bowl of giant couscous and uh, some uh, bean milk. Uh, milk from the teat of a, of a young mung bean. Um, this is the problem with recording this in the morning. Got too many fucking messages coming out at the one time here. Right, uh, the South Korean Presidente Moon Jae-in has raised banning the eating of dog uh, in the country. His office said a tradition practice that is becoming an international embarrassment. You're damn right it is. 
The meat has long been part of South Korean cuisine, with about one million dogs believed to be eaten annually. In the name of fuck. One million dogs are eaten annually in South Korea. That is horrendous. That's actually made me feel sick as I was reading that. One million dogs eaten every year in South Korea. What the fuck is going on? And I, listen, I know it's cultural, right? And I know that we can't read too much on this, but that's, fuck, that's put me off, man. That's actually put, put me off. <laughs> I really wanted to go to a Korean barbecue as well. That's put me right, right off. Anytime I bite a meat, I'll be like, what is that? Is that Doug? No, it is a steak. Is it steak, Doug? Oh. Uh, consumption has declined good as more people embrace the animals as companions rather than livestock. You should fucking think so. The practice is something of a taboo among younger generations and pressure from animal rights activists has been mounting. Hasn't the time come to prudently consider prohibiting dog meat consumption? Moon asked the Prime Minister Kimbo Kim during a weekly meeting on Monday, according to the presidential spokesperson. South Korea's pet industry is on the rise. I mean, that's a fucking tough market to get any. <laughs> imagine trying to sell fucking... Imagine trying to sell dog toys and dog treats in America. Uh, in South Korea, even. God almighty. You think the amount of people who are on your social media that you will retweet... I mean, I do it all the time. Post videos of like dogs in fucking Halloween costumes. That's a tough market in South Korea. We've got a cracking wee outfit for a dog. It looks like a pumpkin, but we've not sold one in South Korea. You want to buy one for your dog? Dress my dog as a pumpkin. I'm going to fucking eat the bastard. <laughs> oh. uh, President Moon is a known dog lover. Uh, he enjoys it with a black bean sauce and has several canines at the presidential compound. Why call it a compound? Because the dogs live there. Including one he rescued after uh, taking office. He found it tied up at the back of a buffet. <laughs> no, he didn't. That's wrong. Come on. Uh, adopting Tory was one of Moon's pledges. His, his dog's name's Tory. Jesus. Uh, during his presidential campaign, and the pooch became the first rescue dog to make its way into the Blue House. Uh, Moon made the remarks as he was briefed on a plan to improve the care system for abandoned pets. His spokeswoman said South Korea's animal protection law is intended mainly to prevent the cruel slaughter of dogs and cats, but does not ban consumption itself. Nonetheless, authorities have invoked the law and other hygiene regulations to crack down on dog farms and restaurants ahead of international events such as the 2018 Pyongyang Olympics. This is fucking... Oh, I thought this was a new thing. God almighty, this is going to... Well, not as... Why has it been... Why has it been... Pre this is odd, man. This, this article was printed on the 27th, which was Monday. 2021, 20th of September 2021, but it's relating back to the 2018 Olympics. I don't know if there's a glitch in the matrix there, but hey, who knows? If there's any, uh, if there's any uh, South Korean listeners out there, then uh, do get in touch. Do you enjoy a bit of dog? Do you, well, I wonder. About, I mean, does dog would dogs taste like chicken, or would they taste like beef? Do different breeds taste differently? I don't know. Would I, would, I, would I eat a dog? I don't know. Not through choice. 
if I ever found myself in South Korea, you know, in a, in a in an opium den, uh, you know, forty grand down uh, to the house on blackjack, and uh, someone offered me a, a piece and dug, you know, I'd, I'd be rude to refuse it. But am I going to go down to my Aldi or Lidl and say, "Hey, any dug?" P- possibly they have. I mean, they managed to sneak a bit of horse in there. I imagine at some point one of the uh, the the fake chicken is. Uh, imagine it. Imagine it turned out. That all those vegan burgers were actually dug. Oh God Almighty! What a story that was. What a story, my man. But uh, uh, don't eat dog. That's what I'd say. South Korea. Just don't do it. Don't bloody do it. I hope they don't. I hope they pack it in, man. I was watching a program, um, Ugly Delicious, David Chang, and uh, he goes to Korea, and there's a restaurant selling donkey. Now I would eat a donkey. Whenever problem eating a donkey. And I, I like donkeys, you know, small horse, manageable size, right? You could deep fry a donkey. <laughs> you could deep fry a donkey, right? I like, I like my, I like my animals, uh, you know, small enough or big enough that I can deep fry them whole. I'm sure somewhere, I would guess in America. There is a fryer big enough that I could deep fry. Could you deep fry a whole donkey? Is that possible? Has it been done? Is this going to be the first Google search of it? Let's go for it. Could you deep fry a whole donkey? I can't believe that's going to Google. SWAT team's coming through the door. First thing that comes up, how to deep fry a turkey. It's not what I asked. It's not what I asked. I'm sure you could deep fry a whole donkey. No. You need to take the guts out. You need to take the innards out, right? You need to gut the bastard. Leave the tail on, okay? For presentation. Eyeballs out, because they're going to explode. Uh, and then it's the it's the, the three-step simple dredge, right? Into the flour. <laughs> Get the donkey in the flour. Then into the egg yolk, into the egg wash. And then let's go panko breadcrumbs because it's it's the Asian connection, right? Donkey in the flour, into the egg, into the panko breadcrumbs, get it coated, back in the egg. It's a double dredge, back in the egg, back into the panko, and then fucking deep fry the bastard. Whole. Deep fry a whole donkey. It must, somebody must, please. David Chang, anybody, somebody listening to this. That's that's the next pool pork. <laughs> Whole fried donkey is the next pulled pork. You heard it here first. There's gonna be in a couple of years you'll be able to get a full fried deep a, deep, a full fried deep donkey. A full deep fried donkey and a Wetherspoons. That's how successful it's gonna be. No, they'll probably deep fry a Shetland pony and claim that it's a donkey, and you can be like, "Yeah, that donkey's so fucking small." But this is the new pulled pork. It's going to be everywhere. Deep fried donkey. You'll have it for wedding buffets. Gone are the days of you know they've got bacon rolls and sausage rolls, uh, rolls and sausage for their wedding buffet. Now that's a wee bit fucking skimmy, that isn't it? Deep fried donkey. You know you have you have your wedding dinner, right? The wedding breakfast. Uh, you're a bit of dinner and dancing, right? And then at night, back at 10, everyone's standing a wee bit peckish, you know? And for those uh, wedding guests who aren't on the coke, they're going to need something to soak up that, that booze. 
and they, they, they say the buffet's now open. People make their way through, expecting a roll and bacon, and they're greeted by a whole deep-fried donkey. They would think you were a fucking king. Weddings, christenings, funerals, deep-fried donkeys. Forget, you know, the whole pig, you know, the, the hog roast. Forget that. Deep-fried donkey. What a conversation star. Is that, is that a deep-fried donkey, son? It is indeed, Papa. I've not seen one of them since we used to take you to Blackpool when you were wee and you'd go on the beach and what a fucking smell of the bastard. <laughs> I was aware we used to go to Blackpool every single year. Uh, Lytham St Anne's was my gran's favourite place, right? I think that she felt, I think generally I think she felt like she was a film star. Walking along the promenade at Lytham St Anne's. Now, I imagine in the, you know, 1850s, whenever my gran was a young thing, Lytham St Anne's and Blackpool was the hip-hop happening town. If you were from Scotland and you got to go on holiday in Blackpool or Lytham St Anne's, in the name of fuck, you were royalty. So to them, it's all memories. Memories, all alone in the moonlight. They love it. And when we were uh, really small, we used to go, you'd go on the beach. You could go on Blackpool Beach then before it became like a fucking toxic waste dump. I think they've cleaned it up now. Uh, and the Blackpool donkeys used to go on the donkeys. And, uh, you know, you would basically set young, terrified children on these uh, on these donkeys. And then a very polite uh, traveller would uh, would walk you along the beach on these fucking stinking donkeys. <laughs> I just remember them being absolutely fucking stinking. Think about that now, man, with COVID. There's absolutely no way in hell that would happen. I mean, I don't think the donkeys are there anymore, right? I imagine they fucking ate their handlers or something. But even, like, putting... People on the saddle, they must have to clean, I think about that as well, they must have to just clean, you'd be constantly cleaning the saddles. Gonna wipe all the COVID off your bum there. I just remember going on the donkeys and just being fucking like, what the hell, they were fucking stinking. The only thing that smelled worse than that in my life was we went on a camel ride once in Turkey and I have never smelled, I don't know if this camel was at death's door and it was just emitting a scent in the hope that they would just leave it at home and it could just fucking die in peace. But when we climbed on this fucker, the fucking smell of this bastard was unreal, man. Poor camel. And the donkeys. We talk, aye, deep fried donkeys. So, go back to the show. So he's basically walking through a part of South Korea with David Cho, who's a famous artist. And uh, he's, a, he's a fascinating guy, man. Um... This is a guy, you've probably seen him. If you see his face, you'll probably know him. He's been on a f- quite a few cooking shows if you watch any of them on Netflix. And he's he's a well-known American artist. Um, long story short, <clears throat> he started as a, a graffiti artist. If you've ever uh, watched any Anthony Bourdain, he's a very, very close friend of Anthony Bourdain. You would have seen David Cho or maybe heard him on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of times, also talking about Bourdain. He's in the film Roadrunner about Anthony Bourdain. But uh, he started off as a graffiti artist in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles. And he was hired by Facebook when they were a startup to come to their offices in LA and basically do a couple of murals, spruce up the office, right? But at the time they had no money and they, they couldn't pay him, so they paid him in stocks. They gave him stocks in the company. And uh, fast forward a few years, he uh, he sold those stocks or the shares, whatever they were, uh, for $200 million. 
Not a bad gig, eh? Not a bad gig. Imagine turning up somewhere. I mean, think somebody's done this years ago. You know, somebody's went to do a job or to do a gig or to do something and they went, look, we don't have any money. You fucking what? But we're going to give you Bitcoin. I can give you 10 Bitcoins. What the fuck's a Bitcoin? And you take it angrily and you walk away and then fucking 20 years later, you're rolling in it. $200 million. That's what your shares were worth. I done a gig once in Inverness, right? I'm not proud of it. Done a gig in Inverness, rocked up, got to the venue. <clears throat> Long story short, the person who had booked it through us had booked it with the venue, but the venue hadn't. To- I think, if, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I think the venue, it was a pub, right? A pub stroke nightclub because they had to kind of big upstairs area where we might do this gig. Anyway, I think the people who owned it were, let's just say, a little bit dodgy, shall we? And somebody has booked something, but they don't actually run it. They're just like one of the owner's brothers or part of the family or fuck knows. Anyway, so we get there. There's no gig, right? We've driven all the way from Glasgow. There's three of us. They put us upstairs. I'm trying to phone the guy. He's no answer. I'm saying, I'm listen, here's the emails. This is what I promised. The bar manager's like, I don't know about that, mate. If I give you that, I've nobody any money tonight. I can't do that. I'm going to get my fucking legs cut off. I says, mate, I don't care about your legs. I care about the fact that three of us have driven out here from Glasgow and I'm owed this fucking money. So... Long story short, sat about for two hours, nobody came, nothing happened, and then we just tanned a load of booze. <laughs> Again, not proud of it, but these things happen on the road, you know, these things happen. So we left with about fucking 20 litres of Jack Daniels, and we felt as though that was justified. Oh, but aye, David Cho goes into a restaurant, and the guy comes out and says to him, uh, they're talking in Korean, and he says, Donkey? And then the guy obviously says yes, and he turns to David Chang and says, they've got donkey in there, come on, we need to go and eat donkey. And he went, I'm not eating donkey on camera. He went, when are you ever going to get a chance to eat donkey? And then he goes in, he eats it, comes out, and he says, it's the best donkey I've ever tasted. <laughs> but again, I would, eat, I would eat a donkey over a dog. I could do that, but I could not eat a dog. Well, this is this has gone off. This is this is a, a load of stories all twangled in together here. Um, We still didn't finish the fucking fuel. They're, they're talking about the um, bringing the army in to drive fuel tankers. Now, two things, right, to cover with this. First of all, the fuel trucks themselves. I don't know if this is true, so if anybody knows anything about this, please confirm or deny. I was told that the... Um, give me one second, I do apologize. The, uh, the people who drive fuel tankers, right, so... People who deliver fuel to petrol stations. There's, there's nothing in the cab. And by that, what I mean is they, they can't have a mobile phone on. They can't charge their phone. There's no, like, there's no, uh, <laughs> I was going to say there's no cigarette lighter. Obviously, there's no cigarette. I'm just going to have a quick fag, mate, right? And then I'll get this fucking 200,000 litres of petrol right up to you. But there's no radio. There's nothing because anything uh, electrical could cause a spark they're effectively driving a fucking bomb I mean I, I don't I don't buy into that whole thing of you know when you're on a forecourt and they come and go like Can you, pump 7 get off your phone you'll fucking kill us all I've, I've seen a few videos of people on their mobiles and the petrol pump blows up but let's be honest every single one of them is America so that means it isn't real 
But somebody told me that, that the people who, the men and women, the, the brave men and women who deliver fuel, they're effectively, as soon as they leave the the depot or the pump to the delivery point, there's, they're, they're doing it in silence. Is that true or is that a bam up? Get in touch, uh, 157-1300-KYT Radio. Tell me, if anybody knows, message me, DM me. Fucking slide right in there. 250 challenge. Does anybody know, do they have a radio? And they think, right, the other thing is the army. So they're talking about bringing the army in to drive the uh, lorries because they're having an issue with drivers and they're having apparently an issue with fuel, right? I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that, and I, I don't really understand people who do. I I, th- I think we should be utilising the army more. I, I would much rather the army was used for things to do with domestic policy rather than sending a load of poor bastards to a foreign country to die for fuck all. I would rather that. I would rather that the army were, you know... Doing whatever, whatever it needs to be. Drive a lorry, drive a lorry. Drive an ambulance, drive an ambulance. Help fucking dig the roads, do whatever. Jack of all trades. You know? I would much, I don't have a pro, I don't understand people who seem to put, oh my god, they're bringing the army in. Oh, the world's got to shit. Guess a fuck, man. There's a load of guys sitting about, men and women in the army, HGVs trained. Bring them in. You know? Who else do you want? To be driving a fucking mobile bomb that is a fuel tanker than someone who has been sent to the desert illegally by their government who doesn't care about them as they watch their friends die. Who better to do that than someone from the army? Because I tell you, that'll get delivered safely right into a council office building. All across the UK, army barracks have got fucking fuel tankers been driven right into the headquarters. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, let them drive lorries, man. Let them do what they want. Let them do what they want. Give them a break. If you've been in the army any time in the last 20 years, you've been fucking literally to hell and back. Give them a payout, give them a house, give them a holiday, let them fucking relax. God, that, that rant, that rant went a bit weird. So, stay safe, you know. If you don't need fuel, don't buy it. And if uh, if there's a pensioner near you who has a garage full of uh, jerry cans of petrol, I suggest you enjoy a nice uh, cigar outside the house and then launch that lip bud into the garage and watch that puppy burn. We should, uh, should we? We should. We need to talk about the uh, the fight. Anthony Joshua. The boxing that happened uh, at the weekend on Saturday. I hope you watched it. Um... It's, it's things like this where I am not at all in any way, shape or form uh, sorry that I have what is commonly known as a hooky box, a dodgy stick. So I get the old pay-per-views, 
For fuck all. I strongly suggest, I strongly advise them. I suggest you get them. Interestingly, I was watching a stream uh, through the hooky box um, from Dazon. Uh, you'll know Eddie Hearn's boxing uh, I mean, channel, uh, management. Everyone knows Dazon, right? D-A-Z-N, Dazon. But it's obviously coming from the American, the Americas, because I had two American commentators who genuinely, and I'm not making this up, knew absolutely fuck all about the fight. And and that was probably more interesting than the actual fight itself. If, if Those of you who don't know, if you, if you don't follow boxing, if you're not interested in it as a sport, I know some people are not, and I say to them, you're a fool, because it's a fucking great sport, is boxing. When you spend some time watching it, when you when you when you get to when you get to um, understand it a little bit more, it's a it's a fascinating fascinating sport because I mean it's just two guys fighting at the end of the day. I mean I'm not a big fan of the women's boxing. I'm going to be honest with you. I find it extremely boring. Um, but the the men's boxing, the boxing. It's it's great once you understand the tactics that are involved because it's a highly tactical uh, sport. It's a very skillful sport. The different types of boxers there are, um, the the way in which certain boxers will will box to their strength. Um, how you see actual game plans unfold when it's very interesting after a win. When certain boxers will talk about the game plan that they had and and literally word for word as as you watch it back again. You, you can you can see that unfold. It's, it's an incredibly fascinating sport. Um, only because I, I I did a I did a little bit of boxing training back in the back in the day. Uh, you know, just some light sparring work, uh, mostly for fitness, and it was fucking terrifying. I I have a, I mean, forget Olympians. The the level of fitness. That boxers have it is fucking terrifying. If you even just stand in your room, or wherever you are listening to this, just pause it for a second and just shadow box for three minutes. You will be blowing out of your fucking ass. Now do that twelve times with somebody else launching fucking haymakers back at you. It is an an unbelievable sport. But we're at a time now where, like most things, everything is dominated by money. Money makes the world go round. Boxing's the ultimate sport. Money and extreme violence combine as one. I've never been a huge fan of Anthony Joshua in a boxing sense. I am a fan of him as a man, as a person. I think he speaks incredibly well. I think he's a great ambassador of the sport. I think he's probably brought a lot of people who maybe necessarily weren't interested in boxing back to the sport. I also think he is not solely responsible, but I think he plays a major part in the complete regeneration of the heavyweight boxing division. Now, most people would argue that for boxing to be successful, they need to have great heavyweights because that filters down. Most people who are not knowledgeable of the sport or... Take a take a liking to the the 
the lesser, not lesser divisions, but the other weights other than heavyweight. Most people will only know boxing as heavyweights because that's the top of the tree, the king of the jungle, the numero unos. But unless you have a strong heavyweight division, you're never going to really have a strong, successful, you know, boxing cards, boxing promotion or a boxing industry. Now, again, this is just from a Fairweather fan. That could be a lot of shit that I'm talking, but that is the opinion that I hold, and I think that would probably stand up. And you could argue that Joshua has been responsible for that resurgence in the heavyweights. But as a boxer, I have never rated him. I think it's always been style over substance. I think it's he has been managed in impeccably by Eddie Hearn the the management of Joshua has been I mean you literally could not put it worse there, there are probably people in a university somewhere studying the rise of Anthony Joshua and the management the way in which Eddie Hearn has maneuvered the man because he is effectively one of if not the biggest names in sport certainly one of the most the biggest in boxing but being a very average boxer. Klitschko fight is the one that made him, really. Put on his ass twice during that match. Fought Klitschko, not in his prime. I mean, not even at the end of his career. His career is done. At the time when Anthony Joshua fought Klitschko, Klitschko's career was over. Klitschko was effectively holding on until he felt as though, again in my opinion, there was someone who he could pass the belt on to. I'm not saying for a second they threw the fight, but I, I would, I would, I would urge you to find anybody who would argue that Anthony Joshua fought Klitschko at his prime. He was long gone. He's a fucking old man for God's sake. Klitschko's fucking getting a free bus pass to come to the fight. Two, two of the biggest names that are still about, obviously the Gypsy, the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who I think is number one, I think he's the best boxer, I think he's the one uh, who would destroy a lot of them. Um, we saw what he did to Wild on the second fight, they're going to have the third match coming up pretty soon actually, the trilogy, I don't think there's going to be a problem for Fury and that, I think Wilder's made the mistake again of going down that route of trying to get a rise at him and try to do the whole American thing and the, the kind of trash talk. And I, I, I think that it's really pissed Fury off because I think the Joshua and Fury fight was going to happen. I don't think... I think Anthony Joshua had ran out of time. I think he'd ran out of time of avoiding that fight or avoiding one of the big two, which is Fury or Wilder. I think he had ran out of time. And Usyk's come along and he's just schooled him. He's absolutely schooled him. The fight was awful. Right, I, I, I've, 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 uh, I've listened to a, a few commentators talk about it. I've read a few tweets. I, I've, I don't agree with any of them. I actually, I actually think the fight was very boring. I thought it was a boring, boring fight. There was nothing to get excited about. There was no knockdowns. There was a couple of decent shots from both boxers. It was just boring. Uh, as I said, interesting to listen to it from the American commentator side. What, I mean, fully in Joshua's camp. Um, we're talking in the ninth round now. They were talking as though Joshua had been 
bossing every single one of the rounds. I actually couldn't believe what I was listening to. I actually thought I was watching a different fight from what they were commentating on. Um, but he lost in points. Joshua lost in points. He, from what I can understand from the the points cards that I picked up, Joshua had to win the last two rounds to stand a chance. He had to win the 11th and the 12th. And Usyk, I mean, battered his fucking chops in the 12th. And I think you could see that the last 30 seconds, I think Joshua knew he'd lost it. The way that Usyk finished that round with the combinations and the the amount that connected, because one of the other things with boxing, if people don't know, is the points are given for punches landed. There's no punches thrown. Um, so a lot of the time it can look as if a boxer's dominating and they're very busy, but nothing's landing, so they're not winning the round. Um, but that last 30 seconds, that last minute, 30 seconds of the 12th round, Usyk dominated him. And I think you can tell in Joshua's body language that he himself knows it was gone. I think he knows that he was done. I think he knew he'd lost it. And that is, is blowing my mind because at, at no point in the fight did Joshua come out and look as if he was going to dominate. The whole week, the whole build-up, we're talking about Joshua's the greatest athlete that the heavyweight division's ever seen, as uh, was saying, the greatest athlete. What does that mean? Yes, he's an incredible athlete, an unbelievable specimen of a man. But is he the best boxer at this moment? No. Is he top three? Well, not not on that display. It was just bitterly, bitterly disappointing that he never thought, I am literally losing everything here. I may as well throw everything I've got. There was no no urgency whatsoever. And fair play to you, Sigman. Fair play to him. Interviewed before it, uh, a couple of days, they asked him what, what he was fighting for. He said, I don't fight for money. Um, I don't fight for fame. I fight for glory. And I thought, you know what, you mad Ukrainian bastard. Fair fucks to because that is exactly what he did. That is exactly what he did. The, the, the discussions leading up to were how this was going to be Joshua's, one of his hardest tests, because he, probably the best boxer that he's, that he's fought. Boxer in, in the sense of understanding the game technical skill, certainly not the hardest hitter, uh, certainly not maybe the most athletic but he is fighting, in Usyk he's fighting the best boxer he's ever fought and on the night the best boxer won now you'd have to argue Fury Fury sorry, if AJ was to go in at this moment against Wilder, who as we've seen has a devastating a devastating shot on him I don't think Joshua stands a chance. If he goes up against Fury, who technically, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the best boxer in the world at this moment in time, technically the best boxer in the world, so he's a better boxer than Usyk, he's got far more power than Usyk. Fury, I think Fury wipes the floor with him. I think Fury wipes the floor with Anthony Joshua. I've said it, I've said it since day one. I've said it since Fury sat up like The Undertaker when Wilder knocked him out after coming back for all his troubles with mental health and all the weight loss. Eddie Hearn must have been sitting in his office shitting himself, thinking, how can I keep Joshua away from him for as long as possible? It was a, it was a such a disappointing fight. 
such a disappointing fight. And I don't know what happens next for Joshua. I really don't. Uh, I can't see him getting the belts back. Uh, if he, if somehow miraculously he does, I think if he ever considers stepping in the ring with Wilder or Fury, I think it's, I don't think he stands a chance against either. And it's upsetting because it felt as if the boxing and the heavyweight division was moving in a way where we had these three main characters, Wilder, Fury and Joshua, and at some point in the future, and I'm talking maybe a year or two ago, certainly before COVID, it felt as if we were going to get to see the fights because it's very rare in boxing that you get to see the fights you want because a lot of these guys, it comes down to business and it comes down to money. So they won't fight their nearest opponent in their prime. They'll wait until they're a little bit done to either guarantee them and guarantees nothing in the fight game, but to give them a little bit more of an edge or they drive the money up or they push it off and they push it off and they push it off and they wait until they get a bigger purse. But it did feel as if we were entering into this kind of different point where, you know, none of them could run from each other anymore. You know, we, we had this, and we still have this character in Tyson Fury, and that he has no interest in the money or the fame. Yes, he takes it. But he just wants to fight. And he wants his belts back. You know, so he was fighting Wilder. Six months after losing all that weight. Taking rematches. Destroying him in the rematch. You know, and it, it did feel a little bit different. It felt as if he's not going to be like the others before him. He's not going to play this game. He's going to do it his own way. And it... it started to turn the tables on Joshua and he he was running you know he fought Ruiz and, and Ruiz knocked him in his ass and that was mental and then with the rematch for that was utterly pointless Ruiz may have just got a check and gave the belts back there was no point in that rematch the guy had been out fucking partying buying cars and fucking sombreros he, there was only going to be one winner in the rematch of that but now this situation with Usyk is I think that could be the end of Joshua. I don't know. What do you think? Are you a fan of the boxing? Do you care? Do you like it? You should watch it, man. I think it's absolutely brilliant. What happens next? I just hope at some point, whether it is for belts or not, I hope we get to see Fury and AJ. I really do. Uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know now if... if Anthony Joshua would want it. There's got to come a point where getting into a ring with another man who wants to hurt you. That's wrong. He wants to stop you. He wants to beat you. Maybe necessarily doesn't want to hurt you. I don't think any boxer, I mean, there's obviously one or two, but I don't think most boxers got to, to hurt someone. It's a sport, you know? But there must come a point where you have extreme wealth because Anthony Joshua now will have extreme wealth wealth beyond his wildest dreams beyond any of our dreams in fact that's just what is he worth Anthony Joshua net worth Anthony Joshua net worth Anthony Joshua how much is Anthony Joshua worth Anthony Joshua is worth uh, currently eighty million, eighty million dollars in the bank. I'll be honest; I thought it was going to be more. But again, extreme wealth. 
Very successful man. Highly regarded in his sport. Uh, an incredible human being. The work that he does out of the ring. Uh, unbelievable. Sports personality. Uh, a personality celebrity. Money in the bank. What is driving him? He's lost the belts once. He got them back. And now he's lost them again. What is driving the man? What is fueling that fire in his gut that's making him train harder, that's making him get in there, and is making him fight? I think it's gone. There was no point in that match at all, in any one of those rounds, where I thought, he's angry here. I don't even know if I've ever seen Joshua angry. So God, so God knows what's going to happen. I just hope we get to see the fight. I, I, I imagine, and I would assume... That at some point, Fury is going to fight Usyk or he will fight whoever has the belts. And I think we will see uh, Tyson Fury, um, undisputed unified champion across all the belts. I, I don't think that can be stopped. That's going to happen. But I just hope we get to see Joshua take on Fury as well. Whether that be for belts or whether it be just a fight. I don't know, but I just hope we get to see that fight happen. That's all I want. That's all I want to happen. I just want to be able to put petrol in my car, go down to the shops and buy strawberries in the middle of December, even though you shouldn't be doing things like that. And I want to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua knock seven lumps of shit at each other. I say knock seven lumps of shit. I, I, I mean, I honestly think that could be a two-rounder for Fury. What, worrying. Worrying times ahead. I imagine that after that fight, <laughs> imagine Eddie Hearn must have went home and fucking went off his nut. <laughs> Getting knocked out once off fucking the little guy for up. Obviously destroyed the unbeaten record and destroyed the legacy of he's this superhuman, you know? It's just a, now he's just a boxer, just a good boxer. But this defeat to Usyk, I think that changes everything. I really do. So who knows? I hope we get to see it. And well done to Usyk, man. You know, I, I don't think there was many people who thought he had a chance outside of the boxing world. I think if you listen to some of the sports uh, radio channels, if you listen to some of the news, I think a lot of people thought Joshua was going to go in there, wipe the floor with him. Uh, when you saw the betting, rounds one to four was where the money was. Uh, and then there was nothing past round six, really. So I think a lot of people felt he was going to go in there and absolutely smash the fucking shit out of Usyk. And it hasn't happened. Good day for the bookies. Good day for the bookies. Bad day for Eddie Hearn. Eh? I suppose it's a win-win in the end. Bye. Who knows? Don't know. I, I, I need to kind of read out a little bit more. I'm, I'm not sure what's mandatory challengers next and who's uh, who's up for Usyk or what the situation is. I imagine, well, we know there's a rematch clause. I imagine Eddie Hearn will force Joshua to take that straight away. Again, my man, it's just so much pressure because if he takes that rematch against Usyk and Usyk does it again, that, that that's, has to be it done. That has to be it done. Unbelievable, man. Just get Fury and fucking Anthony Joshua in a ring and let's see that happen. Let's make it happen. I don't know how. I don't know if we need to put up income tax. I don't know if we all need to chip in six quid ahead. I don't know. But let's make it happen. But once again, fair play to Usyk. Well done, big man. And if you've no watched the fight, get it. I'm sure you can fucking get a dodgy stream somewhere. Watch it. It was uh, 
It was an odd one. It was an odd one indeed. Right, we are uh, very uh, quickly actually coming to the end uh, of this episode. So uh, a couple of housekeeping things. We had two guys coming up uh, October 8th, the Townhouse in Hamilton. Tickets are still available for that. Go to my website, bigscottgibson.com or go to South Lanarkshire. I think if you type in South Lanarkshire Leisure, you can get tickets from their website. You can also get tickets in person at the box office um, of the Townhouse Hamilton. And if uh, the next one is October the 10th, at the Bungalow in Paisley. There's only about 20 tickets left for that. It would be an absolute joy if you could join me for either of them. Again, for tickets for both, go to my website, bigscottgibson.com. We had a gig on the 1st of October in Calern. It is now being postponed to next year, 2022. We They had an outbreak of COVID. COVID is still causing problems. So we've sadly had to postpone that one. Um, they've got some issues at the venue, but I wish them all uh, speedy recovery and health because they're wonderful, wonderful people. At Claire. So get on the website, join the mailing list, join the socials, share the podcast, encourage people to join the Patreon, and uh, look after yourself. October 8th, Townhouse in Hamon, October 10th, the Bungle in Paisley. Stay safe, wash your hands and your arsehole. I'll hopefully see you on the battlefield very soon. Onwards. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.